for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Right. Thanks again. Well, we have been in the Psalms for the last, I think this is eight weeks. Uh, we have a couple more to go after this one, potentially. I'm praying through that. Um, but for today, we're in Psalm 119, so if you want to turn there. Last week, we covered Psalm 91, talking about trusting God's protection, and that when we dwell in Him, we take refuge in Him. He loves us, and we have the privilege of calling on Him, expecting Him to watch over us and, and ensure that nothing nothing that isn't intended to perfect us happens to us. Amen? Do y'all like that? I caveated that because there are things that will happen to us, but God ensures that it's, those things work out themselves for our good because we love him and are called according to his purpose. And so that means sometimes life will struggle, but God always holds us in our struggle. Amen? And so we talked a little bit about that last week. I hope you enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed this series, if that's what you'd call it. Um, but today I want to talk out of Psalm 119. And so if you'll turn there, uh, I'm going to tell you all about my wife. Ain't she pretty? My wife has, has a defect. And her defect, if there is one in her, is that she doesn't know who she is to me. And I memorize her. And this is what I mean. We'll, we'll sit in our couch or in the living room or wherever we're sitting. Sometimes here in church or a restaurant. Or, and I'll be looking at her and she'll be eating or she'll be watching TV and then she'll turn around and in that ever so loving way that my wife does, she goes, what? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If y'all know Angela, let me tell you, she can have a whole conversation in one or two words or no words in a look. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about, one of these? But anyway, so I get the what. And I tell her, I said, there's no what. I'm just looking at you. Why are you looking at me? And I tell her, and I've told her this for 17 years, because I want to memorize you. I want to see you for everything that you are and hold that dear in my memory and in my heart so that should there ever be a time that you're not here, I will have so memorized you. If there's any time that I can't get my hands physically on you, I, can, I have memorized you to the degree it's as though you were sitting in the room. I want to memorize not just her physical features. I memorize her mind what she thinks of things, why she thinks the way she thinks. I said, memorize, not understand. <laughs> I memorize her heart because her heart will expose to me what she needs from me and what she wants from me and what she desires from other people and how other people will see her. And should there ever be a time where she's not with me, I will have my memorization of her. 
I fall short to say memory because we all have some memory. But I have I want to have a memorization of her. And God wants that we would do the same thing in regard to him. That we would memorize him, his attitude towards us, his promises towards us, his judgments towards us, his heart towards us, his sacrifice towards us. So that now, right now, though we can't physically be in his presence, we have enough of him memorized that we can take comfort, much as I take comfort in the memorization I have in my wife. Do y'all understand where I'm coming from? Do you want to know why you were given the word of God? People say, well, we're supposed to memorize it. No. You're supposed to commit it to memorization. Let the word show you who God is. That's what Psalm 19 does. Psalm 19 is 176 verses, which I am not covering today, (laughs) about God and his word and the blessing of falling under his love, belonging to him, and the promises and the blessings of keeping his word, of us keeping his word. And so today I want to teach out of verses 1 through 8. I'm not going to teach all 176 verses because it's, I'm not going to say it's not necessary. Everything in the scripture is necessary, but I want to teach the intro. Before I do that, let me talk to you about what 119 is. And I think maybe perhaps the memorization that I just spoke of may make more sense. Psalm 19 was written to be sung during Rosh Hashanah, Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. That begins a 10-day celebration that leads to Yom Kippur. So it's a 10-day It's sung at the beginning of a 10-day celebration of the Jewish people, intent with one singular purpose, intent to make us understand who God is and the necessity of keeping his law, his word, his testimonies, his declaration. There's All these terms are used throughout the text, but essentially it means it's exactly what it means. It means keeping the law, keeping the word, reading the scripture. After 10 days of celebration, after 10 days of singing this song, this is the hope. That through the lens of the word of God and specifically singing this song, that Psalm 119 may bring them to a place of greater understanding of who God is, of greater understanding of the word of God and the greater understanding of the blessings for those who commit themselves to the ways of God. Amen. Why do I tell you all that? I tell you all that because it's it's exactly what he says in verse one through eight. Why Why did I say I'm not teaching the whole thing? Because every stanza, and there's a lot of them, essentially says the same thing. Blessed is he who follows the law, lives according to the word. That's the thesis statement. 
the one thing when Pastor Rick asked me when I first started writing lessons and stuff like that, man, I'd go all scatterbrained and I'd get confused and my outline didn't make sense and sometimes probably still doesn't. But let me tell you, it doesn't and didn't for one reason. Because I didn't have a thesis statement. I didn't have a one thing I was trying to communicate. In 176 verses, there's one thing the author, and they don't know who that author is, was trying to communicate. And that is, study your Bible. Because in your Bible, you'll find God. And in knowing your God, you'll find blessing. It's, a, it's God, by his Holy Spirit, by the hand of whoever wrote Psalm 119, imploring the people to sit under the weight of the Word of God and let the Word of God dictate who they're supposed to be. And the more I hear about God, the more I'm going to love God, the more I read the Word of God, the more I'm going to understand about God, and the more I understand about God, the more obedient I'm going to be towards God, and the more obedient I am towards God, the more blessed I'm going to be in regard to the things of God. Amen? And so over and over and over, and it's 176 verses of repetitiveness, although it doesn't exactly say all the same thing. It's generally speaking, each stanza says the same thing. Know your God, which is only possible first by hearing declaration of the word of God. Do you know how you came to salvation so that you might know Jesus? By hearing and hearing the word of God, the words of Christ. Amen. That's what faith is. That's how we get faith to believe. How do I get faith to want to carry on? The word of God. How do I get faith to know that God watches after me? Read the word of God. How do I get faith to know that He's a, that I can have peace because of the word of God? How can I know that God offers such and such if I don't read it from the word of God? The problem today is much of the church is so bound and excited about prophetic utterance, they're forgetting to read their word. Let me tell you, if a prophet tells you something that's in alignment with the word, then a lot of that prophetic statement is unnecessary because if you just read your word, you'd know that already. But if it speaks against the word, then it's incorrect and you should dismiss that too. What I'm saying is you should never sit under a prophetic utterance that doesn't begin with these words. Let me tell you what the Word of God says. Now that's going to rub some of y'all wrong. But if you negate it because of something God told you, then God didn't tell you in the first place. Amen? But how do I know if that's true? How do I know if the word somebody gave me is biblical? How do I know if it's something for me? I know because I know the word of God. Pastor Leonard, when he, get, when he got the opportunity to give me one campfire thing for the church, said, read your word. James says it best, read your word, do what it says. Amen? Amen. And that's what we should do. Read our word, do what it says. Psalm 119 not only implores us to study our Bible, but it cries out for us 
in life, in real life, to meet our real God. And when we meet our real God, we'll be amazed by the beauty we find there. I'm going to read you something that, quite honestly, every time I read it, it, my finite mind struggles to comprehend it. But it's Ezekiel 1, 26 through 28. I want you to try to figure out what this is. Now, above the expanse that was over their heads, this is a divine vision of God in glory. Now, above the expanse, that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne. You want to know how I know something is incredibly beautiful and beyond our comprehension? When a person who saw it has to say something like, it kind of looked like a throne. You saw it. You don't know if it was a throne or not? Perhaps it was so magnificent in the first place, You did. that's the only thing you could say in regard to your finite mind that might capture what it was. And so he says, Now above the expanse over their head was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazil. I had to look that up. That's a blue stone. It's a really dark blue stone with glitters of gold in it. In appearance, on which they resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. So essentially he says above their heads light a throne in what looked like dark blue spattered with gold. I imagine that he's seeing God on his throne in the heavens. Amen. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upwards something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward I saw something like fire. There was a radiance around him. I've seen fire. Y'all seen fire? Whatever it is God looks like must be something much more brilliant than that because he didn't say it was fire. He said it was something like fire. And this just gets my head spinning. That's the reason why I'm telling you, because this should cause us to go, wow. I meditate, contemplate, what must that look like? What must God actually look like? It says, as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. He saw God. Or something in appearance made him to believe it was probably God, some divine revelation sitting on something that looked like a throne in space that looked something like this stone, surrounded by radiance that looked something like a rainbow, his body above and below the loin looking something like fire. And he was so amazed by it, he had one response. And let me tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't arrogantly standing in a worship service with his arms crossed or on his phone or whatever it is we trouble ourselves or mind ourselves with when we should be in the presence of God. It was him falling on his face and worshiping the Lord. Let me tell you, I wonder how many problems we have or that we think we have 
would be solved by recognizing that God is something greater than we can comprehend. And instead of complaining about the situation that we're in, recognizing that his awesomeness is capable of taking care of it and just fall on our face in submission instead. Why do I tell you this? You said, man, you're teaching out of Psalm 119 today. You ain't said the first thing about Psalm 119. You haven't even cracked the first verse yet. Because everything I know, I learned from the Word of God in regard to what I teach you. I try very, very hard to keep my opinion out of teaching because my opinion has no place. I read some some book somewhere that said when it comes to the Word of God, your opinion should kneel humbly at the door and let it have its way. And that's what we should do. Man, I just wish I knew God. I just wish I knew that God held me. Read your word. I wish I knew that God would provide for me. Read your word. I wish I knew that God redeemed me. Read your word. People, how can I really know I'm saved? Read 1 John. 1 John was written for the sole purpose that people might know that they belong to the Lord. Right? So read your word. Study it. Spend time in it. And watch your view of God grow. And when you watch your view of God grow, watch your understanding of his law, his commandments grow. And when the understanding of his commandments grows, obedience grows. And when obedience grows, blessing grows. Pastor Leonard said it a minute ago, we serve an if-then God. That frustrates some folks. I've said that in religious circles and people, oh, that's not true. God loves me unconditionally. He does love you unconditionally, but there's still if-thens in regard to blessing. Amen. That's it. That's it. If you believe, you sh- then you shall be saved. If you proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, then you shall be saved. He still loves you, but you're not his children until you make that declaration. You're his creation. How do I know that? Because I read it in the Word. You're all, man, it's, it takes a, I, I've had people tell me, that it takes a lot of guts to do what you do. It doesn't. It takes a lot of reading. It takes a lot of pursuit. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of worship. But you know what it doesn't take? Guts. Because all I'm doing is telling you what he said. If you've got a problem with what I said, really take it up with him because it's his problem. How do I walk in that kind of confidence? Because I read my word which allows me to walk in obedience, which, praise the Lord, has allowed us, Angela and I, and I hope you, to walk in blessing. Because when we first met the Lord, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. When we first met the Lord, I was broken. When we first met the Lord, I'm going to tell your business a little bit. She didn't think that anyone would ever love her. Is that fair? But she won't tell you that today because she realized that God loved her, saw God love me, 
and realize that because God loved me and how he loved me, I'm able to love her. But I learned all of that in the Word. Amen? So let me talk to you about this real fast. My intro always ends up lasting longer than my teaching, but that's all right. I feel like it's been good anyway. <clears throat> I told you the first stanza is his thesis statement, really the first two verses. How blessed are those who walk whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. How many of you guys want to be blessed? Amen. This Bible is very specific to tell you how to do that. Walk blamelessly. Well, that's great. What does that look like? What does that mean? Observe his testimonies. Seek him with all your heart. I want to be blessed. I desire that you be blessed. But let me tell you, if you don't know his testimonies, which is his word, you're not going to be blessed because you're going to be a ship out there wandering around in the ocean with no point of direction and no utter. This is the directive word of God for my life and yours too. Amen? So what, is, what does it mean by the, by the law? It, it doesn't mean necessarily the Old Testament law because at the time the Psalms was written, there, were only, there was only the law of Moses, the, the books of Moses, canonized where people could actually read them and get, get a hold of them. And certainly we have so much more, right? It's, so it's not just this restrictive law. It's the full counsel of the Word of God. How do I know I'm blessed? Because of the full counsel of the Word of God. There are denominations out there that tell you we don't really pay attention much to the Old Testament because the New Testament reveals Christ to us. No, the Old Testament reveals Christ to you. The New Testament shows you who He is and what He did and our responsibility to Him. Amen? But you have to have the whole counsel of the Word of God if you want to be blessed. I'm going to say it again. you got to have the whole counsel of the Word of God if you want to be blessed. What does that mean? That means I need to be willing to put some things away, and I need to pick some things up. You know what I won't do? I won't sit in the seat of scoffers. You know what else I won't do? I won't walk with the unwise. You know what else I won't do? I won't walk through my house. I will not cast my eye on any vile thing. You know what I will do? I'll walk through my house blameless which means I'm not going to allow anything in my house that shouldn't be in my house. I'm not going to allow my eye to lust after anything that God wouldn't have for me. I will, I will, I will, I won't, I won't, I won't are all over the place in Scripture. These are declarations for our blessing. You know why I don't sit in the seat of scoffers or sit with people who sit in the seat of scoffers? Because then I become a scoffer. The best way to get a negative attitude, the best way to start being a person that's always critiquing somebody else's business is to sit with people who have a negative attitude and always mind somebody else's business. That's true. How, how awesome would it be if the church decided to be unified, obey the Word of God, and obeying the Word of God say, listen, and this is the best answer you can give when someone is pushing rumors around you, scoffing around you, trying to create disunity. Look at them and say, I'm not the person that can solve your problem. 
And because I'm not the person that can solve your problem, I suggest you not tell me your problem. Go tell them your problem. And I'm going to give you three days to tell them your problem, and then I'm going to tell them what problem you have. You know what that's going to do? If it doesn't do anything else, it'll make sure you no longer have to listen to them talk. Because you're no longer a safe space. But God, it's, I'm going to go on. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussing. I'm just saying. <laughs> I always, I always want to ask people a question when they're unwilling to, in regard to this, to, to, just, to stay away from scoffers and people that create rumors and create disunity, ask them this singular question. What caused you, what about your character caused them to think you were the safe space to air out their problem? That's a good question, ain't it? Because we've done something that has allowed them to think our character is a sounding board for their issue. Anyway, let me move on. I won't, I won't, I won't, I will, I will, I will, all according to the word of God. We have to meditate on the word according to Psalms 1 and 2. Meditate on the word day and night. Always keep it in your heart. Always keep it on your mind. I, I love this text out of Deuteronomy. As a matter of fact, I, I read it over our children when we committed them Sunday. As I charged their parents, I said, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit. Talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word, the commandments of God, the law. So he's saying no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you have, an, you have a responsibility. He said, put the phylactery on your head. Bind them up by your hand. So what's he saying here? He's saying, everything that you think about and everything you bind your hand to should be done according to the word, in obedience to the word. I shouldn't be thinking about things that are contrary to the word. I shouldn't be meditating on things contrary to the word. And I shouldn't be putting my hand to anything contrary to the word. People spend their whole life, man, thinking everybody's against them when they realize, when they fail to realize that they put their hand to the wrong plow. They've set their mind to the wrong thing. You've not been successful. You've not found the peace that you found. You've not found the hope that you desire because you're not practicing meditation and binding your hand to obedience to the word of God. Amen. Blessed. I want to be blessed. Now I understand that's not necessarily provisional. Like we're not rich. Praise God. We're in a better position probably than we've ever been in, but it's because we've made some decent decisions. Matter of fact, I would say the blessing that you need more than financial is something that isn't physical or tangible. You know what you need? You need peace. 
which when I seek him in his, according to his word, in the full context of his word, he is my peace, according to Ephesians 2.14. My foundation, according to Matthew 7.24 through 27. My joy, according to Romans 15.13. My comfort, according to 2 Corinthians 1.3 through 4. My provision, according to Philippians 4.19. My strong tower, according to Psalms 18.10. My shield and my buckler, according to 91.4. All of these things, albeit intangible, are the primary blessing that God gives me. When I'm obedient to the law and when I search after him with my own heart, when I understand the full treasury of the word of God. Amen? How valuable is the word of God? That's a good question. Psalm 119.72 says this, the law of your mouth, that's capital Y, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Keep your money, man. Bless me, Lord, with joy and peace and hope and love and mercy and grace, and kindness. Which he will, if I, according to this text, walk blamelessly according to the law of the Lord and observe his testimonies with all of my heart. Let's spend a second on all of my heart. I know I ain't covered one through eight. But let's talk about with all my heart. That demands the whole of who you are. Not a peace, not the peace that you decide to give God, but the whole of who you are. I know I I push this, I push this plow hard, man, in regard to the church. I know I do. It seems like I'm always asking y'all to do a little something more, a little something more, give a little something extra, serve a little bit longer, do something, be something, walk in something, tell somebody. I, I drive this thing hard. I know I do. But you know why I do? So that you might have your heart fully exposed so that you may know and so that others may know because you know. Here's the thing about blessed. Blessed is never stagnant. Blessed always multiplies. Usually into the unblessed. Do you know the people that I come into contact with that aren't saved are blessed because I'm talking to them? You're all, that seems arrogant. It's not. And if they'll listen, they'll be more blessed. My children are blessed before they gave their life to the Lord because I'm blessed and because God honors the prayers of a righteous man. And I ask God and still ask God to keep them, watch over them, and save them, but to keep them until they acknowledge who he is. And now I pray that same prayer over my grandchildren. Bring them early and keep them, Lord. 
He's blessed. She's blessed because I'm blessed. Do you know there's a whole community that needs our blessing? I'm going to end in two verses. I'm not going to get to the rest of them. But I think you get the idea. The whole Psalm 19 just says this. Learn who God is. Ask for that revelation of your presence, of his presence. And when you ask for that revelation and get it, hold on to it. And then ask for the next revelation. And then hold on to it. And then ask for another revelation. Can I share something with you? I went and got a bachelor's degree because I needed one for the working at the academy to get promoted. Not before I graduated, like two months before I graduated my bachelor's degree, I got asked to be in full-time ministry. So that didn't do me any good. So I went and got a master's degree. Went and got a master's of divinity. It's 93 credit hours. I accomplished working 50 to 60 hours a week in three years. It's pretty significant. And now I'm in my doctorate. Do you know why I do that? I don't say that, say, look at me, I got these degrees. Because they're just paper. They're junk. They're not going to mean anything after I'm gone. Because in each one of those degrees, specifically my master's and now my doctorate, I've learned something that I didn't know before. Every time I open the pages, but just because I learned something new doesn't mean I forgot the something old. So every time I read my word, I learn something new. But it doesn't mean I abandon what I already knew. It just means I know more now, and I know more now, and I know more now. And as I know, I become obedient. And as Pastor Leonard says, on the other side of my obedience to the word of God is my blessing. Amen.